You're listening to Collective Practice, a podcast for mental health entrepreneurs who dare to dream, create, and grow your business. I'm Lauren Spaulding, marriage and family therapist and business consultant. I'm on a mission to create abundant success for those in the helping profession who strive to tear down barriers around mental wellness and create healing opportunities for all. Thank you so much for joining me in today's episode. Let's jump right in. Hello, you incredibly perfect snow leopard. Welcome back to the Collective Practice Podcast. I'm Lauren Spaulding, and this is a podcast for mental health entrepreneurs, where we talk about business skills, clinical skills, and your own mental health. And welcome to today's episode where we are going to be talking about some things you can do that will help you in marketing your niche and filling up that calendar. Now, our number one goal as a new private practice owner is to fill up that calendar. We want to get all of the clients in the door. We want to start getting paid for our work. And that is the very first step to building a sustainable business. But you don't want to accept just anyone. You don't want to take on every single person who calls you for therapy services because you're going to have a really bad conversion rate if you do that. You want to make sure that you're being really thoughtful in the clients that you put on your calendar and that you're being really mindful of who your ideal client is. The best way to do that is to make sure that your online brand message and brand voice is very clear. So the way to ensure that you are marketing your services to the right person is to do market research. And that's not something we talk about a lot in our field. It's not really a huge focus in grad school because we're very focused on the clinical aspect of our job. But in order for our clinical skills to translate well, we have to do market research so that when someone is searching for a therapist online, they are going to find you and they're going to get on your calendar and they're going to feel so understood and so heard and they're going to be so on board with your treatment plan for them that they are going to stick around. And you want those long-term clients because that's going to be good for you and your business. So there's a few things you can do in your market research. One, you can check out other people's online bio. If there are therapists that you respect, look up to, that you know serve a similar population to you, check out their website and check out their bios on directories and see the language that they're using as they market their clients. So you don't, of course, you don't want to copy someone word for word, but you do want to gain inspiration from how others in the field who have a similar approach to you or a similar personality and especially a similar specialty, how are they wording things? How are they speaking to people in in a way that is successfully getting them clients? So you want to look at language that they're using? Are there any specific buzzwords that stick out in each bio or on each website? Is there a specific aesthetic or a specific color range that you're noticing is really helpful? So a lot of therapists who work with kids have a very colorful, vibrant website. A lot of therapists who work with teens and adults might have 
muted colors or they might have really bold colors. It really varies. So check out all of these different ways that therapists are creating that ideal online space that's getting them their ideal client and gain inspiration from that. Now, the next market research skill that's going to be helpful is to check out books on the subject. So if I'm working with couples and I'm going to be using the IFIO model, I want to read different books from different authors on this approach with couples therapy. And again, I'm listening for common keywords, buzzwords, language that these therapists or authors are using to describe the therapeutic issues, to describe the therapeutic goals, and to describe the therapeutic model. You wanna look for how you can translate your clinical language into easily digestible and layperson language so that when people are searching for your services, they clearly understand how you're going to help them. So you're not only vocalizing who you serve, but how are they going to be served by you? And that's what's really gonna get someone's buy-in is not only do they feel like you get them and you really communicated what they need so clearly that they already feel like they're getting that rapport with you, but they're building that rapport even deeper because they're seeing those keywords or those buzzwords of how they hope to address their goals. Some people are looking for a softer approach. So you might use language around your model and how it is softer and how it is going to be um, a very safe and caring way of getting therapy. While others might be looking for a more forthright approach where they want a therapist who's gonna be upfront with them and really honest and they're looking for models that are right to the goal. And so you're gonna be using language around that to let that client know you're the ideal fit. So as you are doing market research, you're not only taking what you're learning in these clinical trainings and all of that jargon that we use as therapists, but you're reading books, articles, blog posts to see how are these therapists translating it in a way that anyone can easily read it, understand it, and feel like it's the right fit for them. Now, another market research technique that's gonna be really helpful to you is to actually search how are people looking for help in this? So there are lots of different tools out there where you can have the internet put together keywords for you and you can make sure to use that language on your website and in your bios. So you might try out something like answer the public. On this website, you type in a keyword and it gives you all of these sample phrases of how people are searching for that keyword. So you might enter affair and then you'll see all of these, how do I recover for, from an affair? How can I trust my spouse after an affair? How can I mend an affair? Whatever the sample phrases are, and you're gonna take those and make sure you're including that in your website or in your bio because you have data now that's showing you this is a commonly used phrase when people are looking for help around their therapeutic issue. That's also gonna help you in finding people who weren't even considering therapy. So maybe you create, say, a blog post and you make sure in the title it's how to recover from an affair. So when they search that, your blog post shows up. So maybe they weren't even looking for therapy, but now they're thinking, oh, 
maybe therapy could really benefit me because I liked this person's blog or I liked their bio and then they're going to be reaching out. So you're using the data on the internet to fill the gaps on how you can get better traffic to your website, which is going to get more intake calls and more clients in the door. Now, by utilizing these market research techniques and by really honing in on your brand message and how you're actually communicating who you serve and what you do, you're going to stand out more and more as a very unique unicorn of a therapist that that person was looking for, and that's going to get your ideal client in the door. I do want to give one more tip on this, which is be okay with a draft. Your bio, your website, your about me, your blogs are always going to be a draft. They can always be better. Be okay with posting it as a draft and refining it as you go. When I was first communicating how I serve the clients that are ideal to me, it was really vague and really generic and I worked on it more and more and I slowly developed a better elevator pitch that made my website better. And I slowly found better keywords that could find my ideal client. And as I fine tuned it, I didn't keep it as an actual draft. I would post it every single time. Make sure you still have that online presence and be okay with the idea that it's good. You've got to have a starting point and it's going to get better and better with the more market research you do and the more that you apply that data to your online presence. So before I end today's episode, don't forget we're in May, which is the final month of season one of the Collective Practice podcast. So be sure you're subscribed so that you'll be informed when that fall season two, episode one episode comes out. And don't forget to join my email list because I'm going to be releasing some goodies this summer and I want to make sure that you have access to them. Also, follow me on my socials. That's a free way to support me and to learn about everything that I'm providing for you because everything I do online is all about supporting you. Last but not least, please, please share my podcast and share my socials with your friends, colleagues, and loved ones who have similar private practice goals as you do. I really want this free and helpful information to reach as many people as it can. Thanks so much for spending some time with me today, and I want you to go out and apply this market research and let me know how it goes for you, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye. As we wind down from this episode, take a moment to reflect on your key takeaways. How can you care for your business and yourself this week? Don't forget, you are awesome and worthy of a hugely successful career. I hope to help you and support you along the way. I'll see you in the Collective Practice Facebook group and in the masterclass. Visit lawrencebalding.co for more details. Talk to you soon, friend.